Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Oh, thank you, everybody. I'm only 55 as well. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Anyone my age or older, guys, you'll know what I mean. Um, thank you, Jesus. Oh, it's great to be with you. Um, great to be home. Uh, as they mentioned, Kate and I are the senior leaders of uh, Catch Fire Raleigh here. That means that we have the joy of getting to lead our amazing lead pastors, and that's about it. They are doing an amazing job at leading all of you and all of our ministries here. And uh, I'm also the chairman of the board, So, um, and Kate and I started this church in our living room. And there's a few people that are here that were with us in our living room when we started the church 50, almost 15 years ago. And in fact, some of them are here that were here 15 years ago when we came and did our very first warm-up meeting and we drove as a family. Jess was 14, our second daughter was 12, and our youngest was 11. And we drove down from Toronto, Canada to this foreign nation of North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> And we got here in our Honda Odyssey minivan, which was silver, was a light gray color on top of the silver. And it was absolutely covered in salt because the entire journey down here was through something called snow, which thankfully we haven't had to endure this year at all. And uh, although my wife and I and our whole family are avid skiers, Aaron, Jess, all of us love skiing and so, or snowboarding. And uh, so we don't mind snow as long as we're on top of it going fast. Um, and that's about it. But I was talking with my brother Murray, who uh, um, was the lead pastor. He and Ash were the lead pastors of this church uh, for many years, and they've gone up to Toronto. And it was his 50th birthday yesterday, everybody. And um, hopefully now people will stop asking him if he's my son. <laughs> it's just wrong. In fact, he came up to me gleefully last time I was in Toronto. He said, Dunk, guess what? One lady even came up and asked me if I was your grandson. I mean, that's just wrong. That is wrong with a capital R. And um, anyway, yeah, so we came down and our minivan was covered in gray and, 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 and we, had, we had our snow tires on and, 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 our, and our wheels that go with those snow tires. So you, you, in, in the cold climate, you buy a set of wheels with a whole different set of tires on that actually, you know, make a, a they're, they're rumbly, they're very, they're just not great tires, but they're fantastic in the snow. And so we got down here after driving, driving, driving 16 hours, 15, 16 hours as a family. The girls watched I don't know how many movies. You know, back in the day when you had something that came down from the ceiling in the, in the roof of the minivan. And, and, and it dropped down like that and, and the kids got to watch it, you know before they had them right there in their hands. And, uh, and so we got down and we realized that our minivan stuck right out down here because we were the only ones with a car that just looked like a train wreck. And, um, and, uh, and, and we just 
started, we had announced that we were going to do a meeting and we thought that, and we borrowed a friend's church and we thought that only a few people would show up. Um, but actually quite a few people showed up and uh, we told them all, we'll be back. This was March right now, this exact time right now. And we told them, we'll be back in August for our second warm-up meeting. See you there, you know. And uh, it was an awesome meeting. It went way better than we expected. And, uh, and we came back in the August. And uh, we've never, ever looked back. And we're just so grateful to Jesus for all that he's done. In fact, our, our dear friends... Yeah, all to you, Jesus. Our dear friends, Joe and Sarah Cole, uh, they were super helpful. Joe and Sarah were um, success. Joe was a very successful business leader here in the Triangle region, come down from Virginia. And Joe and Sarah were hungry, hungry for revival. And God used them for pretty much several decades of their lives. And had they experienced moves of God in their homes and it spilled out into their churches at the each, in each consecutive moment. And, um, God put it in their hearts to buy a plot of land, uh, between Raleigh and Durham in an area that was completely, totally just woods called Briar Creek. And they bought this plot of land among many plots of land because Joe was a, a, a property developer. And the Lord spoke to him and said, don't build anything on that land. That land's for me. And years later, in 2005, the Holy Spirit spoke to Joe. And Joe and Sarah were big supporters of the revival in Toronto. They they came up, flew up, drove up. They did whatever they could to come. They supported John and Carol doing their TV ministry called Catch the Fire TV for many, many, many years, a daily TV program. And uh, they really helped finance John and Carol doing that. And so many people around the nations were blessed through Catch the Fire TV. And meanwhile, in 2005, the Lord spoke to Joe and said, I want you to build me a place, a dwelling place, a place of my presence. I want you to build a building where people, my people can come and worship me freely for all my worth. And y'all are sitting right on that plot of land. And then, and, and by the time we arrived in 2008, in March 2008, Joe had already started digging the footings of this building. And he was, and Sarah helped us find our own, our first home that we lived in, right in, in Raleigh. And uh, she helped us to find the house and helped us with the real estate agent and so on and so forth. Super, 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 um, helpful, you know, this is, this is, this is our doctor. This is our dentist. This is our, you know, on and on and on helping us to come down here. And meanwhile, we had made it very clear between each other that we were going to honor each other's ministries and that we were not going to in any way, Kate and I were not in any shape or form going to be leaning on them to build our ministry. And the biggest reason for that, not only is our honor to them, but our biggest reason is we only want Jesus 
to build whatever he wants to build through us. We're not looking for human beings to build what only God can build. And so, but nevertheless, being dear friends, we were hugely supportive of their efforts here for this building as they were in their efforts to help us with the church that they, by this time, were really excited for us to start in uh, here in Raleigh. And actually, Sarah, Joe's with the Lord now, but Sarah's still an honorary member of Catch the Fire. And so, guys, they invited us while we're here for the week. Please come and see the land and the footings. So we're like, come on, so good. So we come. We've had several meals with them and whatever, but we'd never been to the land. So we come to the land. It's like bare North Kakalaki red orange soil. And it had been raining just like it has been. And there was just mud and puddles and slime everywhere. And then concrete footings. I mean, it just did not look like a revival center. And... uh Anyway, we're walking around and we get to this moment where the Holy Spirit just hit me so powerfully. And those, who, those of you who, you know, know me well know that I'm not really very good at standing up when I get hit by the Holy Spirit. I mean, y'all might be good at it, but I'm not. I get all weak-kneed. I get all kind of, I get like, you know, a little bit like my... My friends Phil and Heather here from England, stand up Phil and Heather. They've been with us, they're dear friends, come every year. Phil's an Anglican vicar in the island of Jersey, which New Jersey is named after. Yeah, and, uh, and so they're just dear friends. And Heather has a problem standing up in the presence of, of Jesus, so she knows what I'm talking about. And, and I just, right there in all this, it was one of those gray kind of miserable North Carolina days that we can have in the winter, slightly cold, I fell over right into the orange slime. And I'm lying there and I'm just laughing and laughing and laughing and the Holy Spirit is just all over me and, and I'm just full of joy and I just was rejoicing. I couldn't believe how well the Sunday had gone, the first warm-up meeting that Sunday night. And this was probably a Wednesday and I was just so full of joy and, and I could hardly wrap my head around the fact that there were flowering trees already. And I was just so full of joy and I was just so full of God and I had no idea what North Carolina was like. I, I had told the Lord a long time ago, God, you know, when you've grown up on the edge of the Sahara Desert like I have, and my parents are right here somewhere, they'll testify to this, when you've grown up without electricity and you've grown up without even a flushing toilet in our first house, and God wrecks you when you're 20 years old and you tell him over and over and over again, in your hunger and your thirsting and your desperation for him, you tell him over and over again, every time a speaker comes to the Christian Union and speaks to 300 kids and you're one of those kids up in the nosebleeds and you say, yes, Jesus, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything, whatever, because what you've done for me is more amazing than anything I could ever, 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 ever thank you for. And as a 21-year-old, I'd come running down to the front, 22, 23 and just throw myself on the floor in a heap of tears, kneeling down, face, face down in the crowd at the front, weeping, saying, God, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything for you, Jesus. You're so worthy. It doesn't matter what you ask me to do. I'll go anywhere. 
And there I am in the sunny university town of Oxford. But the second university, not the first university. And weeping and, and what I had in mind was Mongolia, Tibet, maybe Myanmar, which was Burma at that time, or some remote region of the Andes. And I'm being serious before God. I'll go anywhere, God. I'll, whatever discomfort, I'll embrace it. Whatever you want, because you're worthy, Jesus. Because there's this holy devotion, this, this, this insatiable appetite and desire for his worth. Not for me to do it for him so that he could be pleased with me, but me doing it for him because I'm pleased with him. Because he's worthy, because he's, his, his, his beauty, his majesty, his splendor, and all of his acts, and especially the salvation that he's given us, and the giving to us of his righteousness. So grip my heart that I said, I'll give you my whole life. Every part of it. Not a fast food life, not a convenient life, not a life filled with riches, not a prosperity gospel life, but a life of saying yes over and over and over again to his will, to whatever he desired me to do, not what I could do for him, but what he wanted me to do for him, because he's worthy of that. I never thought, I mean, I can imagine the Lord just quietly coming up, kneeling next to me when I was 20, 21 and saying, and filled with electricity and saying to me, son, that's awesome. That's epic. I love your heart. I know you'd go to the middle of the Gobi Desert. But I've got just the place for you. Briar Creek. (laughs) Wake Forest. North Kakalaki. Because, because there's a people who go to church every Sunday. Said all the right things. But their hearts are far from me. And they've been inoculated with just enough of God to make them immune to him. Filled with religion. Filled with self-righteousness. And I knew the Lord was also speaking about me in so many ways. It was not an accusation against North Carolinians. I'm saying, Lord, I want to go to the unreached people groups. And he's saying, no, I'm sending you to a people who go to church every Sunday and are pretty much unreached by the true gospel that we, Aaron was just so beautifully singing about. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. When I was on the floor just over there, on the ground I should say, not the floor, it was dirt. When I was in the muddy dirt, shaking, rolling with laughter, out of control. Of course I could have controlled myself, but I didn't want to. I was gone in the presence, the power. And I laughed and Joe's laughing so hard. 
he, he, Joe was one of these men who just had the most contagious, beautiful laugh. And he just laughed so hard in himself and the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, Joe, this is the most anointed place. This must be the platform. And he goes, actually, Duncan, laughing, hardly able to say, this is the women's washroom. Apparently, God likes the restroom. <laughs> Who'd have thought? My presence will go with you and I will give you. Yeah, I just laughed even harder when he told me that. I went to boarding school for 13 years. You learn to laugh at yourself as fast as possible. All right. Matthew 5, 6, everybody, this is our key text today. And everything that I've said so far absolutely ties in with this verse. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Some of your translations will say, for they shall be satisfied. They shall be satiated. Oh, we're starting a new series. It's my privilege today. Jess and Aaron have, have uh, waited on the Lord and the Lord's spoken to them about starting a new series. And so the, they asked if I would preach today and I've got the joy of starting off this new series. Thanks, guys. So good. And... Um, and I looked down the whole, you know, on the Beatitudes, I looked down all of these verses. Many of them are my favorite verses. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You want to see God? It's all down to purity. You don't want to see God forever? Just carry on in the secretness of your sinful ways. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. Put it in reverse. You're blessed as a son of God. Because when you know you're a son or a daughter, it'll always make peace. Peace will be your desire. Peace will be your way. On the other hand, if you walk around in an orphan mentality, and you, you, you're convinced you're right about everything, you'll go to war with everybody. Your home will be a place of World War III. Some of you are terrified of World War III. But the reason why is that World War III is going on in your actual heart. It's going on in your home. It's going on in your workplace. You're looking at all the problems around you and you don't realize you're it. You're not the victim alone. You're the big perpetrator. Poop's got to come from somewhere. It's one thing we all share in common. Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed. Ooh. Blessed. I looked up the meaning of the Greek word blessed. And you know what it means? It means blessed. 
blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. That ties, as I studied for this, I came across this obscure verse that I don't often stop and pause at. It's kind of one of those verses, you know, when you read your Bible every day, you don't always stop at every verse. You probably would never get through the Bible. But, ooh, 1 John 2 verse 1. 1 John 2 verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus the righteous. Woo! Jesus the righteous. I said, Jesus the righteous. If Jesus is the righteous, then there is no righteousness outside of him. God is love. Outside of him, there's no love. In him, there's fullness of love. Jesus is the righteous. Outside of him, there's no righteousness. That's why, everybody, okay, even when we were in the Garden of Eden, okay, we still were not righteous. We were without sin, but that doesn't mean you're righteous. We hadn't sinned yet, but we were not yet righteous. Why? Because Jesus is the righteous. And right in that garden, next to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of the right and wrong, was the tree that was righteous. The tree of life. Jesus Christ himself. And if they had eaten of that fruit, before they'd eaten of the other fruit, they would have become one with him and they would have become righteous because of him. You see, even though now in the new covenant, we have become righteous in him. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. Let's put that verse up. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. It is by him. Him, God the Father, you are in Christ Jesus. When did you become in Christ Jesus? The day Jesus said it is finished, you were complete in him. When he hung on the cross, the righteous hung on the cross. He paid the full debt that the law demanded. He fully paid for your sin and my sin. He fully satisfied the judgment of the law. And mercy flowed from his wounds to us. He made a way through his shed blood that you and I, just by believing 
in him. Just by drinking his blood, which he's given us a symbolic sign of our continued dependence on him as our righteousness. He's given us the the beautiful uh, sacrament that we just took so wonderfully that Davon led us through. We drank the wine and the wine is the symbol of his blood. In John chapter 6, he said, if you drink of my blood and you eat of my flesh, you will have eternal life. John 6, 53. And, and so it's at the cross that we have that moment where having been lacerated with severe, fatal wounds in which his entire body looked like a piece of oozing raw hamburger meat. In those wounds, because he, the righteous one, was drawing all of our sin into himself through his dying process. He became like the gigantic vacuum cleaner of sin. And he just sucked all sin into him because none of that sin was his own. His perfect righteous life, now dying, was the first and only time in the entire of human history that a perfect life has died. Every other death that's ever been died has been died consequentially to pay for the sin of that individual's lifetime of sin. But Jesus never sinned, not once. He perfectly obeyed the law. And in that place of perfection, the righteous of God, the righteous one, he was able to take all our sin into himself. All the things that you hate about yourself, he took into himself. All the things that you've done to other people that you're so ashamed you'd hate anybody to ever find out or ever read a list of, he took it all into himself and he wiped it out. He blotted it out. He blotted it out. And not only did he pay for it in full, he drew all of your sin into himself. And because you and your sin were in a union, he drew you into himself. And now he sucked you in. He swallowed you whole. You are in him. The father took you and put you in his son forever. In fact, you're so in that it was impossible for the father to raise Jesus from the dead without raising you from the dead with him. You're already alive in him. And so not only did he, but this is the amazing thing, not only did the righteous Jesus, the righteous one, Jesus, in whom there's no other righteousness, in, in, except in him there is no other righteousness, not only did he as the righteous pay the price of your sin and die for you, something only he could do, and thus satisfy fully the justice of God that the law demanded a payment for. Not only did he fully satisfy that, he did something else. Mercy was given to you, but he did something else. He gave you what, the, what only the righteous can do. He gave you grace. He gave you all the advantages that you would have had if you had have perfectly obeyed God's law. (laughs) 
Like all the curses in Deuteronomy 28 against Israel spelled out, it's like a sort of, you know, this treatise, if you disobey me, all these curses will come upon you. He fully paid the price of all of your disobedience and all the curses that would have come upon you. He paid them all in full. But he didn't just do that. He also gave you all of the blessings that are right there in Leviticus 28, uh, sorry, Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. He gave to you as a free gift of grace. He gave you all that the Lord demanded you be given for perfectly obeying the law. All of the blessings that were but that were in the heart of God, that were demanded in the word of God, that were demanded by the just, righteous, perfect, good God, who is love himself, all of those blessings, he's given them to you because you believe in Jesus. He's given them all to you because you actually have already perfectly earned them by just believing in Jesus. Last night, we went to this new winery on 98 called Zinc, Zinc House. And there's a brewery and a winery and a park and whatever. And we just wanted to go in there and see what this new place was like. And so we went in, we we went in there and we were absolutely shocked. It looked like revival, honestly. Kate and I had two weeks ago, the reason we weren't here was that we drove 18 hours, nine hours each direction, including stops and an overnight stay late at night just to get to Asbury on the last Sunday before they at that time said they were officially ending the public meetings in the auditorium. And we lined up five and a half hours because some other friends of ours kept a place for us. It would have been like a seven hour lining up, inching along, but it was five and a half hours and that felt so much. My back was in agony. We were lining up, lining up, inching our way. Mind you, we had the most amazing time, Kate and I. We just, we just had the greatest, sweetest, awesome time with everybody that we met. And there were people from every denomination in the Christian spectrum, I imagine. And, um, we made friends with the people that we were around because we were there. Did I mention five and a half hours? <laughs> In fact, at one time it ground to such a slow pace that it took half an hour to get the length of a minivan. We were next to a minivan and it took me like 10 minutes to get past the rear window. It took about another 15 minutes to get past the sliding door. And then it took about 10 minutes to get past the driver's area and then only five minutes to get past the engine. And when we got in to Asbury, and we, we, we just were like, Lord, I'll tell you, in fact, let me come back to that, okay? The purpose I want to just say is, there were almost as many people, North Carolinians from the Triangle region, at Zinc, as there were trying to get to Asbury. One group of people were all out for the righteous, Jesus Christ. The other group of people were all out 
for their bellies. I'm not saying all of them. Please don't get me wrong. Don't quote me on that. That came out wrong. I'm sure they had all sorts of wonderful motives, including Kate and I, and wanted to just be refreshed. I'm just talking about the stark contrast between spiritual hunger and physical hunger and thirsting versus spiritual hunger and thirsting. And yet at the same time, though they're highly contrasted in their motives, they're also very similar in what it looks like. What does it look like in your life right now concerning how hungry and thirsty you are for Jesus? Just answer that question yourself. We have one ambition in this church. We want to be a church that Jesus really enjoys. We want to be a church where he will will go to extraordinary lengths, where if he had to line up, he would to be in here, to be with you, to be part of your connect groups, to be part of the kids' ministry, to be part of the youth ministry that Jacob and Jenna lead so well, part of the kids' ministry that Susan leads so well. That, That this community, we would be a place that Jesus would be extremely hungry and thirsty to be with us. To, to go with us and to receive us when we get there. I think one of my favorite things, I love the message that Kelly preached last week. The generosity of God through us, through our laid down lives. The generosity of God when we, when we bring him to brokenness. The generosity of God that he desires to pour through us when we are in the midst of brokenness. That rather than us looking at brokenness and judging it and trying to keep it shut away and keep away from it and run away from it because we're ashamed and we're embarrassed because somehow that brokenness in those people provokes our condemning hearts about our own issues of brokenness and we, we run away from those that are broken in case somehow the reality of our brokenness is somehow amplified when we're near them. That's the real reason we judge and and move away. And I love the heart of Justin and Kelly leading us as a church to embrace the broken, to, to run towards the broken. I watched the Jesus Revolution movie. Um, I went, I went on my own. Um, Kate and uh, our friends had had an opportunity and I, I just couldn't in that moment make it and it, for their schedules, they couldn't make it when I could make it. So I went on my own on Friday. I actually enjoyed it. Don't feel sorry for me. I like my own company. <laughs> I feel more of Jesus when I'm in my own company. And, um, and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm watching the movie and it didn't take more than five minutes and the tears are already flowing. Then through the, I'm just wrecked. I just got wrecked by the movie. Whatever you might think of that movie, it is a, it is a technicolor expression of Matthew 5 verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And here's this generation in the late 60s, early 70s, that are just rebelling against everything. And they're, they're looking for freedom. And they're looking in all the wrong places. 
And they, and they, they become hungry and thirsty for drugs and hungry and thirsty for new religions and new philosophies and everything else. And, and, and also to look different. And this generation are hungry and thirsty in the movie. And it's based on a true story. It actually happened. And one of them gets saved, Lonnie Frisbee. And because he gets saved out of brokenness, he, together with a pastor that he convinces through the pastor's daughter, and the pastor is pastoring this church that's just so religious and almost empty because of it, with a few people just holding on to their religion. And Lonnie Frisbee meets the pastor his wife and his daughter and they and convinces them to let him come to the church and he goes he actually walks in the Sunday morning church and he's the only one in that place that's truly hungry for Jesus all the others are just full of their own judgment and oh my goodness gracious he undoes the pastor's heart the pastor's wife's heart every Almost everybody, except just a few who leave, who are the diehard religion people, they leave. And instead, Lonnie starts to win all these hippies. And they become one of the greatest move, evangelism moves of God that any generation has ever experienced in the entire history of the world. And they become the Jesus people movement. And there's probably some of you in this room that were led to Jesus at that time. In fact, we have leaders of Catch the Fire World that were baptized on that beach. In fact, this church right here, Catch the Fire Raleigh Durham, can trace its roots spiritually. Kate and Duncan, Aaron and Jess, Kate and Duncan, John and Carol, John and Carol Wimber, John and Carol Wimber, Chuck Smith. And Lonnie Frisbee was the first person when he came back, this isn't in the movie, but when he came, was invited back from Florida later in the 80s by John Wimber, was the first person to stand up on a stage as far as we know and say, come Holy Spirit. And you're in that flow, everybody. I just sat there weeping. And I I don't even have to say, do it again, Lord. He's doing it, guys. Right now, all over the United States. Young people at universities are just going after God. And the reason why Kate and I went to Asbury is because we, when we saw it on the internet, when it first broke out, it didn't look anything like Toronto. And we knew we've got to go. You know why? Because of Luke 5. New wine must be poured into new wineskins. Otherwise the wine and the wineskins will be lost. And it says this. No one who's tasted the old ever wants the new. And I, I just knew and I saw that this Asbury 
The move of God in Asbury was a move of righteous, a return to righteousness and holiness and purity. And for Kate and I, this is what I was going to come back to. For Kate and I, in that, we, when we finally got in, which we did, and the doors more or less shut to the thousands of people behind us in the line, we were one of the last ones to get in for the seven o'clock last meeting. And we're up in the nosebleeds. And we, the, I can't tell you how much gratitude there was in our hearts to be sitting in this tiny, as my mom would say, squitty little chair. It's a very English term. Squitty means very small. I was in this squitty little chair and I could, my back was in agony and I could barely stand up because there was hardly any room. And I thank God for the flip up wooden chair so that it flipped up so I could actually kneel down because that was the only position that was actually truly comfortable kneeling on my knees and it wasn't just that it was comfortable I knew that it was the only position that was appropriate in the presence of our holy Jesus Christ the righteous and I could feel liquid righteousness so thick you could literally cut it like a knife through butter and I realized All righteousness only comes from the person that is the righteous one. And as I zeroed in next to my beloved wife, who's more hungry and thirsty than I am, I didn't even want to go. We'd just come back from pursuing God in Tulsa because we heard that John and Tiffany were going to be there from Charlotte, from the gate, and they're experiencing a move of God. And so because we're hungry, we went to Tulsa that week. And we went to the meeting that they did. Then we got on an airplane the next day. We flew and it was delayed. And the next morning, we're with our leaders from Sri Lanka and early in the morning. And then when we'd finished the meeting from Sri Lanka, my wife says, honey, I think we should celebrate Jess's birthday. And I'm like, honey, are you serious? Like, is there no end to your desire to party with someone somewhere in a righteous way? I just need some personal space right now. And she's like, okay, honey. I said, can we do it tomorrow? She's like, okay. So the next minute, she's phoned Jess and she goes, honey, Jess and Aaron can't do it tomorrow. It's just today. I'm like, okay. She's our eldest daughter. I love her with all my heart. We are celebrating her birthday today. We're doing it tonight. So Kate prepared a feast for us. And then, oh, I forgot to say that right after she said that to me and we decided we're going to do it, the door, the door knocks and it's Nicole and she's coming in to chat with Kate. And she comes in and I said, hi, Nicole. I said, you want a coffee? It's like 10 o'clock. She goes, no, I'm fasting. I said, what? Why? She said, we're going to Asbury tonight. I'm like, and in that moment, I just had enough, enough of something of knowledge of Jesus to know I've got to go to Asbury tonight. And I phoned my friend who just got back and he said, yeah, tonight, tomorrow night's the last night. I come back to Kate. She's chatting with Nicole. I said, honey, we're going to Asbury tonight when 
My mum and dad and Jess and Aaron and the kids have all gone at seven o'clock tonight. We're driving to Asbury. And we drove that night. We stayed the night in Witherville, Virginia. And then we, we drove to Kentucky the six hours, five and a half hours the next day. Got there at one o'clock, 1.30, got in line, got in at seven. And in that moment, after all of that, it all boils down to this for me. Jesus. It all boiled down to Jesus. And then, because it all boiled down to Jesus, and I knew I'm face to face with him, it all boiled down to he's worthy. And I asked him in that place, would you give me a heart of radical devotion to you for the rest of my life now, which is over halfway through? I want that same radical pursuit of you that you put in me when I first got saved. I'm returning to my first love. Where it's not about leadership and Christian this and Christian that, but it's all about a radical devotion to Jesus. And that radical devotion to Jesus looks like radically loving his body, the church, and radically loving each other, and radically loving the world. And after going through all of that to Asbury, I realized you don't need to go to Asbury. You can't now, but don't, don't worry. It's not too late. You can do it in front of your own fireplace with no one looking and get on your face and get in that place where it's truly all about Jesus. And it's no longer about the American dream. It's all about the dream, the Jesus dream, the Jesus revolution. Let's let's stand. Let's stand, everybody. Okay. I can't do this for you. You alone can love God. The good news is you alone can love God. And God loves your love through you more than he loves my love for him through you. Way more. So this is your moment now for you to tell him that for the rest of your life, you'd like him to give you the gift of the father's love for his son. Because if the father gives you that gift and his name's the Holy Spirit, so that you're able to love the son with the same love the father loves the son, your love for Jesus will be exquisite and sure and perfect and that's what Jesus died to give us the Holy Spirit so we could love him with the same love the fathers loved him with for eternity just close your eyes for a moment and ask him for that I ask the Lord, Lord, what, what should I aim for as a response this morning? What is, what is it that you want? And he said to me, just ask them to be a church that loves Jesus for all his worth.
may catch the fire, Raleigh Durham. Be one of Jesus' favorite churches. Not because we're in revival or because we're somehow more special, but because he's filled us with his presence, with his righteousness, where we're just not going to look at pornography even though it's available everywhere. We're just not because our eyes are fixed on Jesus. Where, yeah, we might go to a, a brewery or a winery or whatever or a cafe or a restaurant or do all the things that all of our fellow Americans do. But we're going to do it all for Jesus or because he's worthy. And may he just wreck you this week. May he undo you this week. May he absolutely and utterly ruin you for everything that this world has to offer and give you an exceptional heart of pursuit of hunger and thirsting for his righteousness. For you shall be filled with the righteous. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.